What is up, Brad fans? Thank you so much for being here today. Brad and Brad are back in the saddle and answering a listener question submitted to us via Instagram. So the question involves the new variants of coronavirus and pertains to the need for travel restrictions uh, in the face of these new variants. So we break down what is going on with the new variants, why they're of concern, where they might have come from, and then we address our listener question regarding travel. Uh, we also discuss an Ebola update. That's right. Uh, some Ebola research, some Ebola news. No, there is no new outbreak, but there's a bit of research regarding survivors of Ebola. And this actually may have something, some kind of a link to potentially to COVID and the long haul COVID sufferers. Uh, so stick around for that. And finally, we touch on again, sustainable space travel. Last episode, we talked about wooden satellites, and today we're talking about biofueled rockets. All right, so a little bit of everything in here today. Thank you so much for being here. And of course, if you want your question answered, reach out to us at 2 brad for you on Twitter or Instagram. You can also leave us a voice message, and we will play it on the show and respond. Speakpipe.com. Speakpipe.com dot com slash to brad for you and of course you can find all of this information on our website to brad for you dot wordpress dot com as always rate us subscribe comment wherever you're getting your podcasts and that really helps us out and yeah we'll uh we'll read through the comments and see what we can do about answering any uh positive and or negative feedback you may have as always thank you so much for listening here we go the latest episode, Too Brad for You. Okay, hello, listeners. Here we are on this momentous day. Flash, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Doing uh, doing real good. How are you? Uh, I'm not too bad. So it's momentous, listeners, for several reasons. So we're recording this on the infamous Groundhog Day, which mm -hmm. I know a lot of us feel... Having been in lockdown, you know, three times here in the UK and other places even more severe than that, every day does feel a little bit like Groundhog Day. But uh, it's a mix mix of news, depending on which Groundhog you follow. It, I didn't realise until tonight, Flash, there are several Groundhogs. You've enlightened me there that even Canada has its own series of Groundhogs. Um, but the main Groundhog, the one that is world famous, thanks to the Bill Murray movie of Groundhog Day, Pox Tony Phil, uh, he saw his shadow. So he is saying we've got six more weeks of winter. Mm, um, mm, mm. So you know, Flash's Flash's verdict was that we should shoot the groundhog, and then we don't have to worry about this stupid idea. Um, but you know, I say protect the groundhog. You know, we can get through this. We're locked down. It's not as if we're going out anywhere. Yeah, I mean, really. It. It's if it's going to see a shadow one one year, this is the year, right? Why exactly. Not? I'm not yeah. doing anything else. So yeah, there we go. So. Yeah, so, you know, momentous for that day. It's also momentous because the sh first show we've recorded while using our own show mugs. Ooh. Um, Ooh. Well, yeah. They're more exciting than that, plan. Ooh. There we go. You. <laughs> you really should invest in that special effects department. Um, so, yeah, watch watch online, listeners. We, we, we may be doing a short run, production run, uh, mm -hmm. to put into our online shop. Um, but more importantly than that, Flash has taken it on almost all by himself to increase the listenership of this podcast. <laughs> um, 
Flash is sired an heir, an heir apparent. So uh, heir to the podcast yeah. kingdom. That's right. Indeed. So yes. congratulations to to you on your newest arrival, Flash, and obviously to your lovely wife, Teresa. Thank you um, very much. I can't hear screams in the background, so you're obviously doing something right. Yeah, soundproof the room pretty good. Not the podcast room, his room. He lives in a soundproof <laughs> little cage that we just keep him in there, you know, and when he looks cute enough, then we take him out to, to hang out. Raise uh, the true Canadian way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In a snowbank, <laughs> frozen. Uh, yeah, no, it's great. Henrik is here. He doesn't listen to the podcast yet, uh, but he will. Do you just have it playing in the background like you do with a puppy? You just have the radio playing <laughs> at home. You said the podcast, you would hear dad's voice and go, yeah 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 oh yeah no i figure there's a little too much cursing on the show for for him right now but we'll get him into it soon he may make an appearance at some point and uh who knows yeah but uh, so basically, as basically a, you're trying to do me out of a job you're basically siring a co-host is that is that what you're yeah me? i you know i gotta get him into the podcast and i gotta get him into playing music so we can jam together you know there's so many things that i need to force onto my child uh, you know, that's, I figure that's what you do, right? Like you just yeah. force hobbies onto them and then they yeah. end up loving them just as yeah, much definitely. as you do. Yeah. So definitely. that's, yeah. And you know, force them into science, none of this arty farty stuff. Yeah. 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 I think that's, uh, my lovely wife, Teresa, I think that's one of her concerns is that he's going to grow up to be a drama kid. <laughs> a weird and, yeah, emotional a, drama kid. A, <laughs> In a house of science. What to do with that. Yeah, yeah exactly. We'll be at a loss. Uh, but no, he's good. She's good. Um, yeah, we couldn't be happier. So, yeah, thank you. And good one. we'll see. I mean, we use the same internet connection, so he's not increasing our download numbers at the moment. But, you know. <laughs> hey, I'm sure you'll find a way around it soon enough. So, uh, But also in um, other momentous days, and I just remember this, this now. We didn't touch about this. 33 years ago today, The Wonder Years. Remember the, that TV show? I sure do, yeah. Uh, th it was 33 years ago today that it premiered. Oh, um, interesting. And chain apparently changed the way that we watch TV forever. That, according to Joss Savino, who uh, was playing one of the main main characters. But, you know. Yeah, there's a little bias there, huh? Yeah, yeah maybe, maybe he's still getting rich off the rerun money. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, 33 years ago today, that kind of made me feel a little bit old. Yeah, to be honest, I was never a big fan. Uh, it was one of those shows I, came on, and I was always like, "This is boring," and this kid's a whiny. Like, I, I don't get it. But, and I couldn't see what the attraction with Winnie was, to be honest. Yeah, 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 yeah. But well, not for yeah. me. Okay, it, let let me do you one one as well. Spontaneous news: Screech from Saved by the Bell is dead. Yes, interesting. Saw that did not have him in my. Uh, celebrity death pool for 2021 so I missed wow. out on that one um, and given his like recent headlines recent in the last couple of years of his antics activities lifestyle I did not expect his death to be from natural causes cancer a natural cause when I saw the headline I was like oh shit this is gonna be good uh, but no sadly it was uh, cancer you're expecting him to get shanked in a prison or something. So, something a little more exciting. I mean, this makes me sound really callous. and I... It does a little bit, Flash, but, you know, I, I don't want to turn the listeners against you. But, you know, I came it's... up with a heartwarming story of Poxitoni Phil and, you know, the Wonder Years, and you're coming with 
death and pestilence, but you know. Yeah, yeah, and that the death wasn't exciting enough for me. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's uh, move on for that. Yes. Yeah, I, let's do that. I am involved quickly. in yeah. a celebrity death pool. Yes, yes. <laughs> I picked the queen. More, to be honest. Well, what? That's a good bet. Really? But how many years have you been betting on the queen? Pretty much every year for the last five yeah. years. <laughs> and how's that working for you? This is the one. This is the one. I should have picked Philip because he's a little older. But yeah, I think my my uh, my pick for like a more off the board younger one was uh, Mel Gibson. Yeah, was inspired. Teresa helped me with that pick. Oh, really? Do you think I? I don't know. Maybe a couple uh, of years back when he went off the rails, but he seems to be. You never know. You never know. Well, but thing is now if he does then our seven listeners will be hunting you down basically to shop you into authorities because you know there surely will be a link if he goes under this year yeah especially if it's suspicious yeah who knows anyway well, watch the space listeners there's your prediction <laughs> for this year moving well, on on that cheery note where do we go from there i know why don't we talk about a global pandemic that's right well, and I mean, okay, cheery note, we got a listener question about uh, the variants, the UK variants. And um, before we get to the question, why don't we do a little wrap up, a little um, recap of what what is going on with the variants? We've heard a lot about these. Um, obviously, it's a bit concerning. But what what do we know? What do we know at the moment? What What are we concerned about? And it appears to me... Uh, from what I've dug up, is that there's three variants that are of, of concern. Um, and what's concerning is that the, the virus appears to be mutating in the S protein, the spike protein, um, which, as we have all learned by now, is the protein that helps it attach to human cells and get we're into... All, we're all virologists nowadays. It's yeah, amazing, isn't it? We all know what the spike protein is. Um, and so changes to that apparatus on the virus obviously can have effects on how well it binds to our cells, how well it can get into our cells, and it can also um, have effects on how much of the virus is shed by a infected person. So basically, in the right combination, the right mutations, it can increase transmissibility, so it can make it more contagious. <clears throat> which is appears appears to be the case with um, the three strains, uh, these three new strains that we're seeing. Um, but also the concern is this spike protein is where a lot of what's called neutralizing antibodies. So an it's a type of antibody, one of many antibodies that your body produces that latch on to um, this protein and they kind of block it. Like they just, their, their mere presence there prevents it from binding to your cells and things like that. Um, that's where a lot of them, these neutralizing antibodies bind is this S protein. So um, if there's changes there and the antibodies, the neutralizing antibodies can't bind, that's going to obviously, you know, again, affect the way your immune system can handle it. But it's also going to be a problem, could be a problem for vaccines because that's one of the things that the vaccine will do is boost your your antibody response, right? So, but if it's boosting this antibody response that no longer 
fits onto this spike protein, then we could lose vaccine uh, efficiency. Um, so how did we? How does this happen? How do we get these variants? Obviously, mutation, evolution, the virus is changing. Um, but it seems to be that there's a specific situation um, that's hypothesized to create this uh, process. I mean, there's, 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 of course, random mutation. Um, every time the virus replicates, it can mutate. It can just make an error and change one of its base pairs. And then that will create a, a, a new you know, type of virus new strain, if you want to call it that. Um, and then that may be beneficial or maybe not. So that's just normal mutations happen in exactly. genetics. And the beneficial one then propagates more and the right. beneficial. So you have that, yeah. you have that, but then you, 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 the selection process, you need, when there is a selection pressure, it can actually, you know, eliminate the ones that, that don't um, fit this new environment and the ones that do fit the new environment propagate even even faster even further uh and so that's where uh they think that this situation uh is arising from is in hosts certain hosts so certain people have uh, a limited uh um, not immunity but their immune system is able to um limit the replication of the virus but not completely eliminate it right. so the virus can stick around and in the presence of this like sort of weak kind of half-ass immune response, it's getting exposed to an immune response. So it's getting challenged, but it's not getting completely eliminated. So there's always another generation of virus that can then adapt to this immune pressure. And be immune to the immune pressure. Yeah. Right, exactly. So it's like it's it's almost like a you know, a training. It's got weights on that it's <clears throat> excuse me. That it's constantly training with whereas like if the weight was just too heavy and you couldn't lift it then game over you're done yeah but by having just a small amount of weight just a small amount of pressure it's training and training and training and getting stronger so that's where they think this is this is coming from is potentially there's these people among us um that just their immune you know their immune system isn't quite able to eliminate it but it keeps it around so they have the d disease for a long time <clears throat> and um <clears throat> excuse me excuse oh, me he's coming down with the virus if he starts coughing he gets a fever i'm disconnecting flash to see now yeah well we got 5g this virus now. coming down the line we got 5g connection now too <laughs> so i'm going to shoot that virus right through to you well there you go you see you i don't have 5g i'm not showing any symptoms you have 5g you developed a cough oh there we go no i just took a swig of beer so we should be okay um so anyway so that's how they think it's happened that's where these mutations are occurring uh, and right now, there are three variants that are of concern. Um, there's one from the UK. You're welcome. We, one that originated in South Africa and one in Brazil. Uh, so the Brazil one is pretty new. We know very little about it, but it appears to be similar to the South African one. So I've side note here. I found it very rich that there was a bunch of people um, political, you know, what do you want to, pundits, whatever, that were at the beginning when Donald Trump was calling it the Wuhan flu and the China virus, they were all like, yeah, that's totally fine. We should totally do that. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, fuck China. They did this to us. And then when people started saying, oh, well, we have a UK strain, you could, of course, see these people <clears throat> on Twitter 
all of a sudden clutching their pearls, being like, whoa, don't call it the UK strain. That's, that's <laughs> whoa, that's a little much. So I think we should refer to it as flu K, the flu K strain. Oh, I see what you've done there. Yeah, did that I, take you all day to come up with that? It did not. I stole it from a friend on WhatsApp. Ah, uh, well done. Well done. <laughs> so I can't remember exactly who it was in the group chat. It was one of my uh, friends named Andrew. There's a couple of them in there. So I can't remember which one of you guys did it, but good job. You've got more than one friend? surprisingly wow i mean i see them on whatsapp so i don't know it could be the same person just doing you multiple just personalities some other person's whatsapp group yeah. <laughs> okay. anyway so flu k we got flu k south africa and brazil um so the other two variants don't get a funny name if you can come up with one or you have a friend that can come up with one and then well, you can steal say, it yeah. <laughs> then yes by all means um but uh yeah, so the UK one, uh, it kind of got like a lot of press right at the beginning and there was a lot of travel yeah. restrictions and stuff. And we'll get to that because that's what the question, the listener question pertains to. Um, but it has uh, some changes of note that appear to make it yeah, more contagious. It increases transmission. But fortunately, it looks like uh, the changes don't affect the effectiveness of the neutralizing antibodies. So when they take serum samples from people who have been vaccinated and test it against uh, the antibodies in that serum against the, the new strain, it, it appears to work. You know, so there shouldn't be a problem with vaccines there. Now, the South African one has a few more changes than the flu K strain. And, and these changes are close to what's part of the, the spike protein, uh, a part known as the receptor binding domain. So that's a little concerning because it's a very important part in terms of binding to the uh, host cell. Um, so obviously that can have impacts on how well it attaches. Uh, it's also a known binding site for the neutralizing antibodies and, and there's a changes in another location called the N terminal, but whatever, doesn't matter. It's just a part that's important uh, and also a known antibody landing spot. So this is a bit more, the South African one is actually a bit more concerning uh, in terms of vaccine effectiveness. Uh, it appears also to be more contagious, um, but this one is a bit more um like I said, concerning for the vaccines. And there is evidence that there is reduced uh, antibody binding, binding efficiency to this strain um, for the antibodies that are induced by the mRNA vaccine. So that's Moderna and, and Pfizer. Pfizer. Yeah, so the two Pfizer. that have yep. sort of been in the news and the first ones to come out. Uh, it looks like, again, using these serum samples and stuff like that, sort of lab tests not tested in the in the field we haven't seen evidence of it in people that have been vaccinated but it looks like that the antibody uh response that is you know mounted by the vaccine um isn't going to work very well against this strain but we don't know if this will affect overall vaccine efficiency because the mrna vaccines also stimulate t-cell responses so the immune system is way too complicated for us to try and dissect. I don't even fully understand it, but there's tons of different cells that are involved. Um, antibodies, yeah, T cells. Yeah. Yeah. You've either got your B cells, which are antibodies, and you've got your T cells, which is a, a different type of immune response. Yeah. So the mRNA vaccines, they also stimulate this T cell response. 
which will protect you as well. Um, and there's a, it, 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 it elicits apparently a quite strong antibody neutralizing antibody response. So even if some of them don't bind to all of the places on the spike protein, there still might be enough to sort of compensate for that, but we just don't know. Uh, not enough data. Well, it remains to be seen, uh, what, what happens to people that are, are vaccinated. And if we see that the vaccine isn't working, um, and then the other vaccines, we just don't. Yeah, who knows? We'll see. So some of the vaccines that were developed uh, and tested in China and now in India, they don't appear to create such a robust um, neutralizing antibody response. So they might be screwed. Uh, and then we just don't know anything about the Johnson & Johnson, AstraZeneca, Sputnik. Um, well, there was some data published on the, the Sputnik one today. Basically oh, they showing... actually released some data. How nice. Uh, yeah, well, there's a journal uh, article in The Lancet, actually, where, and I'm just trying to get to it before I misquote uh, the, the numbers, 92% protection it showed in phase three trials. It's just been published in The Lancet. Um, That's so the it's... Russian one that was approved before they did these trials. So thankfully, there is some data that backs up their approval. But anyway. Yeah, so it... But as you said, it works. The Sputnik vaccine works in a similar way to the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine and the Johnson, the, the Anson vaccine, um, where it's working, taking a cold type virus, and then that's engineered to be harmless. And then it's got small fragments of the coronavirus there to generate the immune response. Yeah. Um, so that's, and that's the, as you said, that's the interesting one because that's the more traditional vaccine design. So, yes, the newer vaccine designs, like the Moderna and the Pfizer BioNTech ones, are. As you said, you're getting this dual immune response, which is a bit stronger, but potentially they take longer to engineer. Whereas actually, what they're saying is actually the more traditional vaccine response, although it's more probably more focused in terms of how it generates that immune response, you can actually re-engineer it quite quickly if you needed to to update it. So should the mutations keep coming, you could, in theory, a bit like the flu jab every year, you know, yeah. it's the same base virus, and then you can just add in whatever that mutation is for that year to, to try and counteract it. Yeah, well, and I mean, this actually like the M mRNA ones as well should be very quick to to adapt to new variants as well because you're just you just need the messenger RNA. You just need to sequence the new variant and then flip it in. So that is like sort of the the nice thing is that some of these vaccine technologies that we have should be able to adapt quickly. It's just a matter of it's still going to take. We say quickly, it's still six months yeah, nine months whatever it is yeah. yeah so you know by the time you know if these things are running rampant we could just push this thing back another six months nine months ten months whatever um yeah so that's kind of the the skinny on the variants um also the monoclonal antibody treatment this is one of the things that trump got that apparently made him feel like a superhuman um they might not work as well against the new variants so but we just don't know so I got a lot of this from a, an article in, uh, it's called, what's the journal? Uh, JAMA, the JAMA Network. It's like Journal of American Medical Association or something like that. Um, so really nice uh, review uh, of the current situation that was written. And they offered some, um, you know, what we should be doing uh, in in the face of these variants. Um, so basically characterizing um, blood and serum from the people that have been fully vaccinated 
uh, to kind of see if they're if these uh, viruses are um, resistant to the vaccine uh, da, 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 and travel stopping the spread of they didn't specifically mention travel but stopping the spread should be a big uh thing that we're doing um because we got to let the vaccines catch up and we just don't know how well the vaccines are going to do and this leads us to our our listener question that was brought to us from instagram and here i'll just read the question questions for the brads I can see why you would close borders in light of a concerning new variant, but taking that to its logical conclusion, doesn't that mean you concentrate a new strain to a specific location and over time it becomes an increasingly different mutation? The end game would then become multiple different epidemics requiring different vaccines rather than a pandemic. The analogy being that at the moment we are playing a gigantic game of whack-a-mole. So thank but, you yeah. for the question, Defenderist on Instagram. Shout out. Well, and then the second part, the second part of that is, you know, then potentially you're going to be playing whack a mole with a layer of rock paper scissors uh, to play with on top of each mole. So right. yeah, so it is a really good question, and in, I love calling it pre-production. When Flash and I basically have a chat over a beer before we start recording about generally life. Um, we sort of talked around this in, in general. We both came at it from different ways, but ended up in the, the same place. And I I think the obviously there's, there's always a short answer to everything, isn't there? There's always a long answer, and we'll try and find somewhere in the middle so that we don't bore the listeners. So I, I think, I think and you said it before, Flash, I think part of it is politics. I think that's part of it. I think, you know, if you're shutting the border, you'll seem to be a strong politician. You're doing actually, you're doing you know, something against the scary new variant. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, unless you're on an island, you know, shutting the border doesn't naturally work because there's still some crossage over there. Even on an island in today's world, the the it, travel bans do not like it's not going to protect you. It's going to buy you some time, but it's not going to protect you. And you have to think too that by the time this thing was noticed by the time we even noticed the new variant you have no idea how far it spread it's not like just because you noticed it that's the first one you know that's another thing i think that doesn't get sort of communicated and can get people confused like oh there's a new variant we found it it's like yeah you found it but it could have been there for uh you know months weeks days who knows and this is a good point i think i'll just jump in here and say that the uk uh has a really robust system of sequencing a lot of their sample a lot of the covid samples because if you just do a normal covid test a uh, pcr test or an antibody test or something something that you get from the doctor to say like i've i've got my covid test i'm negative I'm positive or not yeah, yeah yeah that's not going to tell you if it's a new variant or not it's just going to tell you it's COVID. So in order to find these new variants, you actually have to sequence the genome of the, of the, of the virus uh, and see these changes. And so the UK actually has probably one of the best in the world uh, systems for sequencing all of the samples that come in. And so they detected the variant. But other places don't, can't do that or don't do that. So it's, we well, don't know where it is. That's the thing, and you know, and in the UK, I think I think they're only sequencing like five percent. So it, you know, it's it's a 
a sample that they're taking, which, you know, just shows the number of cases. Fortunately, there's a lot, well, fortunately or unfortunately, there's a large number of cases coming through. So that 5% is obviously testing a large number, but, you know, potentially that just shows we're more right there. And today in the news, it's shown that it was thought that the South African variant wasn't here, but now that that seems to be pocketed. And I think where it gets really interesting is like the South African virus that's here is being seen in a pocket along the south of the UK into the south southwest. So it's obviously come in from somewhere, probably some of the asymptomatic at the time, and then it's it spread. But it's it's an interesting one. I, I guess looking at it, you know, when you speak to people about viruses, I think because people can't see them, they tend to think it's, you know, some sort of magic or whatever. But if you want to scale it up, you know, a very good analogy is like the Galapagos Islands and Darwin and evolution. You know, there are species of lizards on the Galapagos Islands that have cousins, distant cousins all around the world and where they've spread out, but they mutate into the sequence that they're in. So, yeah, the UK variant has probably come about because, as we talked about earlier, the selection pressure, the immune pressure has forced this new variant to come out, as viruses always do. It's very natural for a virus to mutate and undergo changes because that's what it's trying to do. It's trying to keep itself alive and keep going. Everything get better mutates. at what it does. Exactly. So it's trying to mutate to be more contagious. Well, how does it do that? It either does that by spreading more rapidly and being easier to get into the host cells, or it does that by evading the immune response. And that's what we've been seeing with these mutations mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, in all three variants, that it's that mutation of evading the immune response that seems to be causing a large part of the increased contagion from this virus. Right. So then getting back to the question of of travel and travel bans and restricting it. And really the question, it comes down to it's, it's poking at speciation. So they like, at what point, like if we isolate this virus, let's, let's game it out. You know, if we, if we were able to, with the caveat that we just discussed that you can't travel bans will not contain this, this spread, but let's say you could, and you kept it, uh, within the UK, the population of 66 million, right? Uh, how long would it take for that COVID strain to become so different from all of the other COVID strains that it's now a unique thing that requires a new vaccine and it's sort of a new thing that we kind of have to worry about um, not, you know, separately from the rest of the strains? Probably a long time that it's going to diverge to the point that it's going to be different from all the other ones the point see that the reason why you would want to contain it uh in where it is or slow the spread again we can't contain it but slow the spread is that every single host that the virus goes into is an opportunity for it to mutate so it faces a new environment a slightly different environment of the immune system it could be one of these people that has this weak immune response that is a perfect sort of selection ground that we talked about. Um, you can also get mixing. So if the person has one strain of Corona and then gets another, the virus can actually like physically like get together and swap genes and stuff. So you can get that. So every single person that a virus encounters that it goes into is an opportunity for it to mutate into a more deadly, dangerous, transmissible, whatever, um, strain. So 
limit you, you know you can have 66 million opportunities for it to do that in the uk or you could have 7 billion opportunities for it to do that across the world and and that's that's the skinny so the chances that it's going to you're going to isolate it to a point where it becomes a brand new thing and then you kind of have to treat it differently and that's going to cause all these other headaches is very unlikely um just in terms of that would you know you would need like 15 20 years you know of like really specific evolution happening in one location for that to happen um but people are similar enough all over the world that you know even if you kept it in the uk it's going to face similar you know sort of selection pressures and whatnot as it would in south africa as it would in japan as it would in canada which is exactly why you have the uk strain you know showing this mutations in the s proteins and you have the south african strain showing mutations in the s protein like they're it's evolving in the same way all over so it's not the concern really isn't keeping it bottled up in one place is going to create some kind of you know totally divergent new thing it's really about giving it less opportunities to encounter people exactly you know and so you all yeah. you have this new strain that already has sort of a uh, a leg up so why give it more opportunities to get even more of a leg up so that's really what it is and like we said the travel bans aren't going to keep that you're not going to get 100 percent on that but you can slow it down and hopefully get enough people vaccinated uh, that this this strain doesn't you know take off and become the dominant strain that then yes we have to develop a new vaccine for and redistribute to the to the whole world so that's how it, it it's it's an interesting question because it does like like the logic of the question makes sense and like i said like i said it's like speciation right like at what point do two things become different become species like at what point did it, yeah. a tiger become different enough from a lion that we call them different things right and it's that boundary is actually very gray no one really you know we kind of have rules for it for mammals and lizards and and that's sort of the the more the animals that we know where it's like well can they can they mate if they can mate and the and it makes a viable offspring then you know then they're the same species but even that doesn't work all the time because you can mate a tiger and a lion right but we call them different species anyway but so for viruses and bacteria and the micro microscopic things it's much that 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 barrier is much slipperier so you're not really worried too much about you know isolating it to a point where it becomes this this new weird thing yeah and we we talked about the mutation. That, you know, it, it was a it was a timely question when it got got asked by by Andy or Slasher, um, and then very timely today when actually we, by chance we chose to record because there's actually been a couple of papers that we as, you know we've referred to today that's that's come out. So the mutation itself that we've seen with the UK, the Brazil, and the South African variant um, is the E484K mutation. So that's the one that. Today, Public Health England have published, say that we're seeing more cases, but that's the same mutation that we're seeing with the Brazil and, and South African strain. And as as we talked about earlier, what that mutation seems to do in this case is help it evade the immune system. So it's it's the antibodies that were effective are no longer effective against it. 
And as we talked about um, in the first, the, the silver lining, as one scientist put it, was it's a mutation. It's not diverging from each other. So even the UK virus, when you look at that alone and you compare that to the Brazil virus and you compare that to the South African virus, the mutations that they're going through are actually very similar, although they're distinctly different because you're looking at the genome, they're actually similar. It's not at this moment branching off into some totally weird mutation for the UK and some totally weird one for South Africa. So that's why at the moment people are saying, well, actually the vaccine is still having an effect and it might not be as effective as it was because the part that it was generating antibodies for might have mutated, but it will still have an effect. Now, obviously, fast forward that by a year, six months, two years, then those mutations might overtake so much that actually the current vaccines aren't there. But that's mm -hmm. why when you have your flu jab every year, the actual strain that it's based on is updated all the time because that's what you're doing all the time. You're monitoring to see what that strain looks like. Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't, it, it doesn't seem like it, but actually... You know, from what I read today, actually, coronaviruses are relatively stable compared to yeah. influenza and things like that. So I know, obviously, there's a lot of focus on it, a lot of media time to it, and everyone's panicking because, well, there's another new variant. But actually, these new variants aren't, in a lot of cases, new, new. They're, they're the UK one, they're the Brazil, they're the, you know, they're the same type of mutation. Yeah. And I um, wonder if... And as we said, it's natural. Yeah. And I wonder if you could even, like, it's possible... I don't know how you would ever be able to, to show this, but it's possible that it's they all originated from the same place. You know, like these mutations could have arisen in each location independently from each other. Yeah. Or the UK one could have... Is there have, a patient zero? Yeah, yeah. Or the UK one could have been first and it made it to South Africa and then acquired a couple other mutations or... Maybe it originated in, in South Africa and then made it to UK and lost some of those mutations. Like it mutated back into the, like you can't, there's no way to, to determine the direction of these things when you're just sequencing things. There's things that can give you a clue uh, and you try and piece it together the best you can, but you can't actually say that. So who knows, uh, you know, how it started. Um, but this is exactly, you know, why limiting the amount of people that come into contact with the virus is so important, which gets back to the question of why you just overall want to not spread this new variant around. Because again, every single person that it comes into contact with is another chance for it to mutate, is another chance for it to get better. Uh, and this is probably why, you know, you say like coronaviruses compared to influenza, compared to HIV, compared to these other viruses, are very slow mutators they're they don't generally diverge quickly and, and 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 do these different strain things but just the sheer number of people that have this virus right now is is contributing to the that's the, you know that's exactly the that. problem yeah and that's contributing to the variants and actually one of the journals i read today basically said that the vaccination program that's that's globally rolling out now will actually dilute the impact of these mutations obviously the more people you vaccinate the more protection you've given that population of people the vaccine's not not there in those people anymore so you're diminishing the population in which the vaccine can survive and therefore the numbers that it's in and therefore the number of cycles it's going to go through to be able to mutate are a lot less so mm -hmm. i know it's 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 the cliche that's been you know it's on the, the news all the time here but the vaccine is the way out of this at the moment you know yeah 
vaccinate people, keep all the measures of, you know, washing your hands, staying indoors, not coming into contact. You have to break that cycle. Yeah. Um, to see the back of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. We just have to reduce the amount of people that have the virus in them. <laughs> exactly. It's that and I, simple. I, well, and I, it's very easy said, and obviously, you know, scientists are data-driven. Not that I would ever call myself a proper scientist, but actually um, there was an article today showing, obviously, Israel have been really proactive with their vaccination I think program. they're up to like 50% of the population. And mind you, yeah, they only have incredible. 4 million people, but still. Um, but actually what they've shown there, um, the data that I saw today was actually the data has shown that the vaccination is working. So actually in the over 60s that they've prioritized as their vaccination group, there's a lower infection rate and a lower illness rate. Beautiful. And it's and it's distinctly in that group. When you look at the data across all of it, the other age ranges still have high infection rates, but that group in particular is coming down. Um, so yeah, it it is working. But you can't just rely on the vaccine alone. To give the vaccine the best chance, you have to be using yeah. the social distancing measures, the you know, yeah. standard hygiene practices that you know, seem to be the bread and butter of life now. Yeah. Six more weeks, at least. Is that is that your prediction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Grand, Groundhog Day's predicting a long winter and uh, coronavirus will be gone in six weeks. You heard Flash say it. Here, yeah, after so. six weeks, it's going to be gone. It's just going to disappear. The weather's going to get better, blah, blah, blah. I heard that once. I heard that once. I think it was exactly last February that we started yeah. to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think exactly last February is when Trump was saying this won't be an issue. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've been in it for a year, folks. We've been in it for a year. Um, yeah. Okay, well, I hope that answered the question. I think... I think we muddled through it as best we could. Yeah, I think it's as best we could. Uh, if we didn't get back at us with an angry, with another angry message, uh, and we I will... Don't get, I don't want angry messages. I get enough of those already. Yeah, okay. From me? Are you counting just the ones from me, or like you get other ones? Well, no, I actually, I've blocked you, so I don't <laughs> get those messages. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, let's move on then to... More virus-related stories. Our favorite virus. Is it our favorite virus? You think still? I think so. We got we got okay. an Ebola update. We got an Ebola update, Ooh. my friend. We got some some news from the Ebola world. So yes, my favorite virus. I don't know about you, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's the most talked about virus, even with coronavirus. Ebola might be the most talked about virus on this show. See, I, well, I was gonna say yeah. In general, I don't know, but on this show. I think Ebola takes that crack. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. Ebola news. Interesting, uh, interesting little study uh, that was just uh, published came across my my news feed, um, and it actually it will relate to coronavirus. So I'll bring it back around. Just wait for that. Um, but they did a sort of long term follow up of Ebola survivors. Um, and found that roughly 200 days after uh, they recovered from Ebola, there was a spike in Ebola antibodies. So you know, we've been talking about these antibodies for a while now. Okay. So the antibodies that were designed to you know, attack Ebola, they noticed that they kind of came surging back in the body about 200 days after um, the people had recovered from Ebola. And that's weird. We don't really know. They don't really know why that is, what's going on with that. But one of the, th one of the theories, one of the thoughts is that because we know that Ebola can 
remain in the body in certain places, especially places that the immune system can't get to, the eyes and uh, the testes, the gonads. So in men, the testes, um, you can get Ebola. Oh, you are on a roll tonight, Flash. Right, again, that's not mine. That's from back in the where's my glasses days. From Andy on WhatsApp, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that might be a shout out to Johnny from our uh, where's my glasses days. But anyway, um, yeah, it, it persists. So it's possible that, you know, this virus that like, you know, they've they've tested different people and found that, you know, there's there's small traces of virus in these locations in the body that persist. I think there was some concern about um, sexually transmitted Ebola because, you know, it was remaining in the testes. And I think they they even found it in semen samples from some men after they had recovered like 45 days 50 days after they had recovered so could it be that this virus starts replicating again in these different locations and you might not pick it up on a test uh and that was the thing they didn't they didn't see virus when they tested people so they saw the antibody spike but then they tested for the virus and they couldn't find it so it's like, right. and then I, I, when I say test, I think it's just sort of the general test that you would do if you wanted to go in and find it in the eye, find it in the balls, find it, you know, like you would have to do more intensive testing. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of, it's interesting. Uh, it's a weird little quirk, but we know also that there is post Ebola syndrome. So there's a certain amount of people that uh, have symptoms uh, headache, muscle ache, fatigue, like very distinct symptoms uh, after they recover from Ebola. Uh, and it it lasts for a long time and we don't really know why. And this points it's to... a bit like the, the long COVID syndrome that... Yeah. Bing, bing, bing. That's the connection. Um, but yeah, so we don't know, they don't know why, but this points to a mechanism. You know, there's, there could be something going on. And if we're seeing that antibody spike uh, in the Ebola patients, that, you know, maybe it's this latent virus. Who knows? Uh, it also has different, you know, treatment um, uh, repercussions. Maybe these, maybe they're suggesting, they're, they're speculating, maybe we need to vaccinate people even after they've recovered to sort of you know, stop okay. this resurgence or something or give them some kind of a booster or something like this. Um, but there was no evidence of transmission in these people. Uh, so they didn't catch it again. There wasn't that. And I don't, and I believe they don't think that anyone was spreading it again, but I, I don't know. So, so, okay. So, so they were seeing the antibodies, but as you said, they, they weren't actually seeing any virus in these. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, and I, I've seen with the with the long COVID syndrome that they're thinking that that is more of a almost a, a an autoimmune response or a byproduct of the immune system. So actually, you know, the body's fought this off so severely that it's done some damage to itself. Or, I guess, interesting in this case, is it the circulating antibodies that are causing causing that issue? Yeah, and so that's the thing, and that is the link now to coronavirus. Is that I and this is speculation alert, speculation alert. This is just me, you know. We, we really need to get some sound effects officially made, don't we? We just press a speculation. Maybe that's maybe that's the clip that will be dropped in from now on. Speculation alert. <laughs> speculation alert. Um, 
I read earlier in or later last year uh, about uh, SARS being found in all of these different places in the body, eyes and balls being one of them. I think I made a joke, a crass joke in one earlier podcast. I might have been doing it just by myself about SAS, severe acute SAC syndrome. So, you know, so there's that it's it's we know that SARS SARS 2 can persist in these different locations in the body. They found it in different locations. Part of that is, you know, it has the right receptor that the virus binds to and things like that. But we don't know what that means. We don't know what that you know, you can't say um, that that's causing long haul COVID or anything like that. But it's interesting to see that in Ebola, you get this antibody spike, something you could look for in SARS patients as well, in COVID patients as well, see if that's a similar feature. Just a really interesting avenue of research. Not much we can say about it other than, whoa, that's weird. We should look into that. But, but that's how these things start, isn't it? You spot something weird like that, and then it takes you down a rabbit hole that maybe leads you to something, a discovery. But yeah, it'd be interesting that you talked about, do we vaccinate these people that have had the disease? Because a lot of the time, you know, we say, oh, you've had the disease, you don't need the vaccine. Yeah. But actually, is it, in those people, would it be like giving, you know, with most vaccines, you're giving two or three shots to, to boost the immune system and give that durational effect. So actually... In these people do you say well actually by giving that vaccine that effectively is like giving them the booster shot if you'd have given them the vaccine in the first place yeah will they then get prolonged immunity or or the ability to clear what's left of that infection out? or like you said it could be like you said earlier it could be an overactive immune response like an autoimmune thing and getting a vaccine would not be good because you could be you know, Exploding. pumping yeah, that up. You could trigger that even more. Yeah. yeah. And and that's the thing that they just don't know when it comes to the long haul of like post Ebola syndrome, post COVID syndrome, whatever you want to call it. Is it this latent virus that's kicking around? Don't know. Antibody spike? Kind of leans may. Maybe it's that. But it could just be an overactive immune response uh, in general. And Ebola is known to cause that. You know, it's definitely one of the features of when you're dealing with Ebola you get these cytokine storms and things like this where the immune system just goes oh fuck and just throws everything at it so you get this and you know that causes a lot of damage and there's evidence that you know SARS some of the damage that's happening in the body is also the immune system trying to deal with it so yeah who knows but it's an interesting interesting thing and I saw the link there so I thought why not speculate well and why not have some Ebola news? Because we hadn't any for a little while. It's true. You know, we've been too taken over with other viruses, so it's good to see Ebola coming back up the league table. I didn't want it to get viruses. like I didn't want Ebola to feel like we weren't paying attention anymore, and that it felt like it needed to do something. So I was like, "Hey, you know, we still love you. Just stay where you are and not do." See, anything. you're getting into the, the parenting thing already, Frank, <laughs> aren't you? Looking after the firstborn child that was Ebola. Well, let's. Uh, Let's switch gear a little bit. We've we've done a lot on biology and a lot on viruses, and I, you know, you and I both love a little bit of physics, um, a little bit of engineering. So why don't we wrap up with um, a little bit of a feel good story? Rockets. We all love rockets, mm -hmm. um, you know. And you can. We've talked about steam rockets, you know, with Mad Mike in the in the past. Uh, rest his soul. Uh, we've talked about SpaceX's Starship um, and their new engine technology and booster technology. 
but Stardust, that is the future. Um, so what's Stardust? Um, Stardust is the name um, given to a project by uh, Blue Shift Aerospace uh, to their project, which this week saw the first uh, commercial launch of a bio-derived fueled rocket. So a bio-fueled rocket, ladies and gents. That's so what are we talking, like so. corn, ethanol, super concentrated so, to the enough to get enough thrust and propulsion it's moonshine it's, it's basically, basically moonshine, moonshine yeah <laughs> so um they're, they're 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 being very cagey around uh what it is obviously it's it's their secret what they have said is um it could be sourced from farms around the world is is the base manure so we don't know well, that's it. Is it is it a mule based product? Is it a plant based product? Yeah. You know, is it a vegan rocket? We don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but basically, uh, this company called Blue Shift Aerospace they've uh, firstly refined the fuel and then secondly developed the engine. You would um, need a special engine, yeah. Of course. Um, so well, we had a little Henrik interruption. No, not at all. We had a bit of a Wi-Fi interruption, so it all worked out well. So. So yeah, so Stardust. So uh, the rocket launched this week, Stardust, uh, it's six meters long. Um, it'll have the ability to carry a payload of about 250 kilos. So not a huge amount, but but it means it's relatively launched to cheap, uh, relatively cheap to launch. So that would make it more open to students and researchers to um, be able to jump on board with doing sp research in space because you're not then having to you know, pay for a whole Starship X or, you know, one of the the major... Yeah, one of the big guys, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and what I really liked was their analogy. So they, they said that SpaceX basically are aiming to be like the bus service into space. You know, you'd be able to take passengers or payloads up, whereas Stardust plans to be the Uber into space. So on more of right. a smaller individual <laughs> uh, level. So, I was going to say like the e-scooter. like Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so the, the launch that happened this week, um, went, uh, one mile up. So, um, they've got another launch, uh, scheduled, um, which will then go suborbitally. And then later this year, they're planning uh, a launch that they're calling red dwarf. Um, and the plan is that that would enter a polar orbit. So rather than an equatorial orbit, this would actually, uh, be a polar orbit. Ah, so is, rather, yeah. Around the belly of the earth, it will go. Yeah. Which is actually yeah. actually takes more fuel or more power to do because you don't get the velocity of the Earth to help you with that slingshot. The um, rotation, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, but what it does is it gives you um, more ability to see over landmass. So actually, these these launches are happening in Maine, in the U.S. Um, so and they they say that's one of the sites actually for a polar orbit that would be beneficial. So actually, they're making use of an old um, Air Force base that um, used to be there in the cold war ready for the b-52 bombers so um, mm -hmm. they're actually saying that you know this potentially could revolutionize the aerospace industry create hundreds of jobs and revitalize lots of sites like that um where you could have these rockets going up relatively cheaply cleanly um taking payloads or um research up in space and the other piece that i only briefly caught on to the end was actually um the first lot of experiments that either went up or is going up um, is looking at the material that's created that they make stents for, for heart attacks and things like that. So mm -hmm. it's 
Um, it's quite a shapeable material. Um, so they're looking at the influence on space travel on this material to potentially then make rockets out of that in the future um, because uh. it's light and malleable. Um, so, yeah, a real, just something a bit different, I thought. You know, we talked about wooden satellites in the past, so why not talk about biofueled rockets? So, you know, maybe we should start stockpiling all our poop flash and, you know, we can look through it for worms to tick the parasitology field and then power it into rockets and off we go. I'm really curious what the fuel is. Obviously, like you said, it's it's proprietary. You know, they're not going to just give that secret away. But like, what could burn hot enough to to you know put 250 kilos into space? It's got to be shit, right? It's got to be shit. But yeah, I've had a few morning afters the night before. You know, maybe a few beers, a couple of curries. You know, and the next day I'm like, you know, you set a match to this, I could be launched into space. Well, now potentially. We could be. So, you know, stock up on your, your spicy foods, your curries, your takeaways. Watch yeah, you the space. Up on the, stock up on the spicy foods, the curries, the beers, the takeaways. But then you also have to, yeah, collect your own shit. Well, yeah. And you also have to develop yeah. the engine. Well, no, no, no. We sell our yeah, shit but, to yeah. them. They already have the engine, you know. Ah, okay. Literally yeah, selling rocket right. fuel. That's right. But, yes, we've had a few Brilliant. internet disruptions baby disruptions so far so shall we brad wrap it up let's let's wrap it up so thank you listeners thank you to our newest listener henrik who actually even you know briefly maybe start on the show <laughs> maybe we can splice in some of his uh, words of wisdom uh if you want to get in touch with the show then you can do so on twitter at two brad for you you can hit me up brad directly at Bradley w hayes on twitter um Flash, if they want to get hold of you. Uh, the usual, at B Van Paradon, uh, on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, yeah. The show has an email. And also, I was going to say, the show has an email and, and the new voicemail capability That's right. as well. Correct? Uh, I'm just making sure I have that address correct, but it should be speakpipe.com slash 2bradforyou. Uh, you can go to the website, our website, 2bradforyou.wordpress.com and find a link there uh you can also find a link to or you can also find the email address there which is too bad for you at gmail.com but yeah there's many many ways for people to get in touch and i really hope that people do if you leave us a voice message and it doesn't you know suck then we'll play it on the show and then, yeah, you could be part. You could be part of this madness. And as we said, keep your eyes out uh, soon, as we'll be trading our wares, potential mugs, uh, hitting the global store. Mug sale. Mug sale. So, yeah, mugs That's for right. mugs. Yeah, leave us a message. Get a mug. There's so many opportunities here. Indeed, there are. Yeah, who knows? Uh, Flash, as always, it's been been emotional. It's been a roller coaster. Thank you. Apologies for my wife hiding <laughs> the crap. Uh, but mostly thank you to the listeners so uh, yes stay strong stay safe and uh, catch you all soon is it still poxatoni fill or do you have your own groundhog huh do you have your own groundhog in Canada, or do you all go by Poxatoni Phil? No, we have our own. Everywhere, everywhere Don't has say their it own. Like that.
Yeah, of course. Oh, we don't have groundhogs here. No? Well, they're fucking everywhere in Canada. 